So the last several weeks, we have um, been reviewing, uh, going over, affirming uh, our values as a church. If you look on the back of your sermon insert and your bulletin, uh, we've been walking through those the last few weeks. And what can sometimes seem as is kind of unnecessary or mundane or just organizational stuff really is significant for us to understand our identity as a church. Who are we called to be? What has God created the church for? Not just ECOB, but the church in general. That's very vital, particularly when we're in moments where things around us shake us, is that what do we go back to? What are the firm beliefs that we have about who we are and what God's called us to do that we must cling to? And those must, be, those must arise out of Scripture. Otherwise, they will not be lasting. Otherwise, they will fail and they will fade. So I want to ask you this question as we look at this value of community engagement. If tomorrow... I'd like you to consider if tomorrow this church was no longer in this community, do you think anybody would notice? Now, don't think about the buildings. Don't think about the facilities. But think about us, the people of God here at ECOB. If we, for some reason, all were gone tomorrow, out of this community, out of our workplaces, out of our homes, out of our neighborhoods, out of all the social settings that God places us in, would people notice? And you might look at it and say, well, that's kind of a silly question. Of course, we're here one day and we're not the next. But what would they miss? What would they miss? What would they notice that was absent from us, not just individually, but collectively? Would businesses in this community say, ah, we lost a good partner? Would schools in this community say, wow, we've lost some teachers, some board members, some aides, some parents, and they're going to be missed because of the way they came alongside us? In our neighborhoods, Would they miss that our families were gone and what we tried to value and raise our children and grandchildren to be? Would community organizations look and say, we have lost such great partners for accomplishing what God's called us to do? Would other churches miss us? Would churches look and say, oh, they were such a part of this greater mission of God's church? You see, it's a question that challenges our own perspective and perception of our impact on this county and beyond. And I think we have to ask it, whether it's phrased that way or not. We have to ask, because God did not call the church or this church to exist in and of and for itself. There are a lot of things that we do in this place, the, the, the Bible studies, the activities, the events, and we should continue to do with great fervor. We should continue to do to pour and invest into one another. That's one of our values, right? Equip one another. We have to continue to do that. We have to continue to live generously. We have to continue to come together as generations. We have to continue to be dependent on God. But I believe it's the culmination of all of these together that bring us to this value. That brings us to this point to say, 
how do we carry out this mission of sharing life and sharing Christ to, pe- to people beyond this place? Now, whether you've noticed or not, and this is true, been in true in, in, in church in America for quite a few years, it's nothing new, is that the days of expecting people just come to us are gone. They've been gone for many of years No, we are in a culture, in a season, in a time spiritually in this country where that if the church is to not just exist, but to actually thrive and to make an impact, then we must get out of the building. Now, the good news is you don't live here. The good news is you get out of here all the time, which is what I really want us to think about with this idea of community engagement. We have big events like Impact that we do twice a, or once a year. We've done it twice now. But what about your individual settings? What about your workplaces? What about your neighborhoods? What about your homes? All of those places where God takes you, maybe individually during the week, as you represent Jesus Christ. That's what community engagement is about. Look at the way it's described or defined, and uh, it's in the bulletin as well, but I'd like to look at this. Community engagement is demonstrated by, what's it say? Representing Christ. Hold on to that. In all communities through working alongside people and organizations. We're going to talk a lot about what that means in this community. And I'm not just talking just Eaton, but in this county and in the towns represented, Richmond and others where you all come from, you reside. But I'm also talking about places in this world that God takes us, like Kansas City, the team that is there this week, like Tijuana, Mexico, a team a few weeks ago. In the past, Belize, Brazil, Jamaica, uh, Haiti, you name it. There's, There's tons, praise God. But wherever God takes us, how do we represent Christ? There's a lot of cliche or general statements that people talk about when they talk about representing Christ. And just a warning, you're going to hear some of those today. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you today is to think very specifically in your life how God is calling you to engage this community and represent him. As others who know you and love you and brothers and sisters in Christ have invested you, in you, how does that then be poured out into others. We talked about it some in the value of generous living. So to do this, I want to, this has to to rise up out of scripture. This can't just be something we think of because it sounds like a good idea for a group of people. No, in fact, we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians today, chapter 5. We were in 2 Corinthians last week in chapter 9 uh, and Uh, we uh, talked about, I talked a bit about Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church. If you missed that, Paul had a relationship with these people in the Corinthian church. He had done a missionary uh, trip there. He had actually been a, a very key leader in launching the church in Corinth. It had been some time, this is one of, of actually three letters, but two represented in the canon. And in this letter, Several chapters earlier, Paul speaks about this relationship that he has with them. And what I didn't say last week, but is more relevant to what we're looking at today, this relationship was strained. 
Paul had known them, had been with them, still knew them, but it had been strained. And the reason it was strained is because there had been some that had come into the church in Corinth and they were stirring things up. They were false teachers. They were people that were trying to twist and move the church to be what they wanted it to be and what they thought it should say instead of relying on God. And so Paul is aware of this. He's known about it, and so he's writing about it. And because of that, there are some who began to doubt who Paul was. Some begin to doubt his own salvation. Some begin to doubt that he had any authority whatsoever to preach the gospel, let alone start a church. And so Paul reminds them. He takes them back to the core of what it means to represent Christ. And I believe it's the foundation for us as we represent Christ in this community. So if you would, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to uh, begin uh, in verse 14. It's in the middle of this section in, in some translations that's entitled The Ministry of Reconciliation. So uh, it's on the screen. I hope you have a copy of God's Word. If not, take a look at the screen. Verse 14 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Paul said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. That one is Jesus, by the way. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do, no, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here! Exclamation point. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, Paul says, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as I said, Paul, Paul goes right back to the heart of things. He speaks to Christ as uh, elsewhere uh, noted in scripture as the cornerstone. And whenever we're shaken, whenever we're questioning, whenever we're struggling, or whenever we're trying to figure out our identity, we always have to go back to Jesus because as Christ followers, we are to represent and be like him. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about engaging the community beyond this place. So it's not, and I am no way, saying that the things we do here are not important, incredibly important. But this idea of thinking about outside of this place, out of this building... That's what I want us to be thinking about today. I want us to be thinking about the ministry of how we represent Christ, his message, his life, his mission, not to people to come in here, but when we go to them. It's not that the people come here are important. Obviously, that's silly to even think that. But God has challenged us and called us 
to live out our faith everywhere. We are not to be hypocritical, duplicitous people, yet we all fail from time to time, right? But what people in this world, what people in this community need to see is that we are not just Christ followers when we're together on a Sunday morning. As fun and as beautiful it is to worship together. And we should not stop. If anything, we should do more. But what people really are looking for, and they will keenly observe, and it drives us nuts, doesn't it? Because we know we fail at it. But what people are keenly watching is what you gather for worship for and around the people that believe what you believe, what happens when you get around people who don't believe what you believe? How do you live out this thing you call faith? I don't know about you, but for me, that gets overwhelming because you're thinking, oh my gosh, I am so going to blow this. Yeah, you're going to. We do it all the time, right? But there is something in you known as the Holy Spirit, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that can overcome any of it. And what I want you to think about as we look at these things here in this passage of Scripture, I want you to think about how God is uniquely calling you. Sometimes that'll play itself out as we as the church go out together, like impact. But there are probably more times than not are going to be those moments when you're with coworkers, those moments when you're in the grocery store, those moments when you're in your neighborhood And it's on you. How do you represent Christ? And I hope you look into this church family and say, my fellow brothers and sisters are cheering me on all the way. They're not there waiting for me to fail. They're going to share, they're going to love, they're going to pray, and they're going to cheer me on. So how do we represent Christ? It's all in the application, my friends. The things I'll share here today, you've likely heard before. But I want you to ask yourself over and over, what does that look like in my life? That's not for you to have to report to me on or to anybody else except for the Lord. Look at verse verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. We must be motivated to represent Christ by the love of Christ. It's that love of Jesus Christ, recognizing what he's done for us, that should drive everything. And if anything else, our need for attention, our need for reward, our need to be noticed, if that's what drives us in representing Christ, then we will fail. Whenever that pride works up in us, we must repent of that. We must get rid of that and let the love that Jesus poured out on us be our motivator. The New English Bible, which is not particularly a favorite translation of mine, I'll get it, uses the, the translation, uses the word for compels, leaves us no choice. In other words, there's not an option. If we are Christ followers and we have embraced Christ's love, accepted it and received us, we have no choice. It must motivate us. What motivates you to represent Christ? And I don't ask that because I'm questioning it, but I hope you know. I hope you know without a doubt doubt what motivates you. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling uh, inadequate, if you're feeling all of those things that we feel, my, my question is, my question is, is it the love of Christ motivating you? 
That's between you and the Lord. And, and it's, it's taking what is so easy to be egocentric and, tr- and turn into Christocentric. In other words, that Christ drives that in us. And Paul is begging them, saying, hey, whoa, 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 here, folks. You have lost sight of what is, should, should drive your mission for the church and for you and your life. When you think about the love of Christ, what does it motivate you to do? There's a lot of good things we can do with that. But I would contend, I would contend that at some point it requires action. At some point it requires us to do like Jesus did which we see in verse 15, and this is, this is my next point, is that we focus, when we represent Christ, we are focused on serving like Jesus. And Paul says it like this, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. So it's selfless, it's humble. It's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? We all say and want to be help, uh, uh, humble and selfless, but man, do we struggle with it, right? And so what Paul challenges with is to be like Christ. If you want to represent Christ, you cannot be you. You must be Christ. The beauty of it is that God takes all of our uniquenesses and allows us to represent him well. But it's not easy. Dying on a cross was not easy. That's what Jesus did for us. And this is not about guilt or shame. Okay, I guess I got to do it. You should be overwhelmed, I hope and pray, even when you're weary, is that deep down you know. And I'm not arguing rest. Vacations are necessary. I'm leaving Friday. We need rest. But here's how I think we have to look at rest. We have to look at rest to care for ourselves to the point so then we can continue to represent Christ in anything and everything. Sacrifice and selflessness is partly why we do impact. I know people in this church have and, and, and some of you have really struggled. You've sought to understand why do we give up a Sunday morning here uh, and, and go do that? Can't we do it another time? Can't, can't, can't we just figure out some other way? And I know you do that not to be uh, complaining. It, you struggle with it. Here's how I want to challenge us. And for those of us that maybe haven't thought about it, I want to remind us of it or affirm in us. Part of what people must see is that we are willing to give up what we're so used to in order that they know Jesus. Because we're comfortable here, right? This is our church family. These are the people that love and care for us. These are the people walking with us. And if you're new to ECOB, I hope you're experiencing that. But most people don't see that because they're not here. So how do we translate it? And impact is just one way. It's not, it's not fail-proof. But there's something to be said on a Sunday morning when everybody expects Christians to be in a building separated from everybody else in the community, says, nope, we're going to give that up and we're going out. And we're going to serve. I believe it's, it's such a beautiful expression of worship. It's different. And I know it requires sacrifice. I know it's not easy. We don't do it because it's easy. We do it because we want to serve like Jesus. And Jesus went to the people. 
I know the house, two of the houses I was at, it just was so, so, we didn't have any deep theological conversations. But what I kept hearing people at both of these houses say, we are so glad to be here to help you, to show you that we love you. Well, you don't even know me. That's how Jesus did it, right? He didn't give a bunch of reasons why we shouldn't love. He gave all kinds of reasons why we should love. I encourage you during this best summer ever campaign as you find new ways to focus on serving like Jesus. We have a second Saturday ministry. You've heard us talk about it. And there's second Saturday after second Saturday, there's people that gather in that parking lot at 8.30 on the second Saturday of the month. And they go out and they serve. Mostly people we don't know. And what I implore us to do, I pray that that ministry continues to grow. Not so we can get noticed, not to brag about it from the pulpit. That's not it. But so that we can represent Christ by going to them. Verse 16. Loving others with the love of Jesus Christ. This sounds rather obvious, but think about that application. When someone asks you specifically, how do you love others with the love of Jesus? This plays a little bit into focusing on serving like him, but look at verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What Paul is saying here is that people of the world look at people in a worldly way. In other words, we create the reasons why we shouldn't love them. Well, they're different than me this way, this, 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 and this. What Jesus did, the love of Jesus for every one of us as sinners said, I'm going to love you anyways. I don't necessarily like what you're doing. In fact, you are separated from God in your sinfulness. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we will represent Christ to sinners. We've been, we are The difference is we've received the grace found in Jesus. See, it's a new behavior. It's it's, he talks in verse 17 about the old has gone and new has come. It's a Christian should not be the same as they were before they knew Christ. And that is something that I tell you challenges me so often because I look at my life now, 20 some years past becoming a Christian in my early 20s. So easy, and it's a challenge for me. Oh man, Jesus has grown me so much. He's not done. He's not done with me. Because tomorrow I may be laying in a casket. You may be too. And the reality is, is that I don't want to ever stop learning how to love people like Jesus did. I want to represent in all the places and show the compassion and the empathy toward them. What if this church, just as an idea, what if this church in a whole new way to engage this community would, would in, it invade, which is not a very PC term, particularly in light of all the things that happen in schools, but what if we made a decision with school systems in this county is that not just parents were going to go and work with the school systems with their own kids, but we as a church... Now, we have nothing planned for that, but the bottom line is, what if we look for new ways to partner in this community so that we can represent Christ? It's not a bait and switch. We be who God made us to be. That's good English right there, right? Woo! (laughs) What What if more and more people from this church served at birthright? 
We have a lot of you that serve, and I, I am not diminishing at all. Thank you for modeling for us. But what if every organization in this community said, yeah, we've got people from that church, don't even know the name of the church, but that church, I don't even know where the church building is, but people from that church, and they're here and they love on people. And you know, I hear them talk about Jesus. Friends, we can never underestimate what that will do. Don't go and hide it. Don't go with your bullhorn, but go and love like Jesus taught you to love. And in that, you'll see what Paul continues to implore in verse 19. Communicating the message of Jesus Christ. I know we want to do this, and I believe we do in so many ways. Let me tell you what I experienced in my life is that often the gospel of Jesus Christ can very easily, out of my own uh, frailties and weaknesses and stubbornness, becomes the gospel of Dan Denlinger. In other words, I put limitations on it. I box it in. I, I, I try to frame it. I try to control God in it and all these things. It doesn't mean my heart's not in it. Oh, my heart's in it. But my heart can be very dark at times when I'm not focused on Jesus. Pretty much any time I'm not focused on Jesus. But look what Paul says, verse 19, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the message of Jesus. It's not about just come to church. It's not about sing this. It's not about do this, don't do this. All that's wrapped up in it. But foremost, the message of Jesus, and this is what we must represent, is that he came into this world to reconcile people who were apart from God by dying on the cross and paying the penalty for every sin. If somebody came up to you, as soon as you walked out of this building and said, can you tell me, I, I heard that Pastor Dan was preaching a little bit about the message of Jesus Christ. Can you tell me what that means? I don't know that I understand that. It's scary, isn't it? Well, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, I, I may say something wrong. Yeah, you probably will. I do it all the time. I went to school. I still mess it up. But I have to trust. I can't let it inhibit me. I can't let it paralyze me because people are dying. People need rescued by Jesus. And my, as prideful as it sounds, my little mistake is not going to stop God. It's not. And for us to think we're going to do it perfectly is so prideful. So church, learn, practice, get your family around the table, and each of you practice how to share the gospel. Well, that's kind of silly. That's kind of rote and routine. No, it's not. Think about all the other things that we do to rehearse so we can get better at. Funerals like Tom Cranks are the easy ones. We know he's celebrating in glory, but there have been plenty in this building where there's no hope. And that's not just my job, that's ours. And I'm telling you, there are people every day who don't know the hope of Jesus. Just because it's here and here in your life doesn't mean that other people know it. So practice it, whatever that looks like. 
But that's how we plunge into this culture and this community, not only here but in other places, and share the gospel. You see, if we meet all kinds of tangible needs and we miss the point of sharing the gospel, we have just met a physical need. We do not exist to meet physical needs. We exist to meet the spiritual needs, the deficit in this world through Jesus Christ. That's what we are here for. And we use the physical to reach the spiritual. So church, you keep giving to places like the food bank. You keep serving at the bistro. You keep doing all those things, but that is your platform. We lift up people in this world who are so-called heroes, and they use their platform. My question is, church, let's use ours. That's not a question, is it? Let's use ours. Whether you're a mechanic or a teacher or working in the line of a factory, you have a platform. Don't abuse it. You have a privilege. But you have a message. If you know Jesus Christ, you have a message. And that message is more important than anything else. Not because it's yours, but because it's God's. And that's what it means when Paul talks about in verse 20. We are to live as ambassadors. That's just what I've described in these last few points. I've described what an ambassador Jesus Christ is. It's like ambassadors in an ancient world and even ambassadors today. They go because they are commissioned by an authority. Welcome to the Christian life. They have a message that is not theirs. It's Jesus's. And they, we, have an authority through the Holy Spirit to exercise that, not for our benefit. What I loved about Paul is that Paul, no matter what he was facing, whether he was imprisoned, he was on a ship, he was wandering through the streets of Rome or wherever else he was, is that his message didn't change. It didn't change. He didn't let the circumstances of life change his message. What he continued to do is understand the culture, community engagement, and then preached the gospel within it. He lived the gospel within it. It will be full of heartache, I'll tell you, like it was for Paul. It will be full of sacrifice. It will be full of disappointment. It will be full of things that it costs you. You're ready to sign up, aren't you? <laughs> if you're a believer, you're already signed up. You don't need a pastor to tell you. It's your call. It's what we see in Scripture. So as we look to the message, continue to look to the Word to teach you about the message. Continue to learn about what it means to be an ambassador. Don't just take my word for it, for goodness sakes. You get into the Word and, dis and, and learn it and study it and share it with one another. But I am so grateful. I'm so grateful in doing Tom Crank's funeral yesterday, I don't know if you knew Tom. He often worshiped in first service, so you may not have known him. He said about halfway back over here, he was good for one or two amens a Sunday. And um, many would say, if you knew Tom, is that he was a minister. Now, a lot of people don't know that Tom actually uh, believed he had a call in his life to be a minister. And it, uh, the family shared that he actually regretted that he didn't follow that call. But Tom was a professional truck driver for almost 50 years. One of the most common of jobs in America. Not unimportant, 
but common. Many would say because he spent many a miles, millions of miles, on the road by himself, that he didn't have an opportunity to preach the gospel. And what I heard from the family, and those of you that knew Tom, Tom had such deep convictions about the gospel. And story after story of people coming through in the last two days, stories of people who said, Tom led me to the Lord. Stories of people, some who eventually went into ministry where he got on his knees with them and prayed over them. Stories and stories, many in this church, where Tom ticked them off because he didn't mince words. But stories and stories of even those he upset that said he loved me because he loved my soul. Do you love people's souls? Tom did. He wasn't perfect at it by any means. But I want us to be a church that's recognized that we love souls and not just the souls that are among us a couple days a week, but the souls of those all around us. But I want to thank you because the joy of preaching a message about community engagement is that I can tell you we have ambassadors in this church. We have ambassadors at the food bank giving out food. We have ambassadors at the Once Around shop helping people in need. We have ambassadors at the senior center driving and assisting senior adults. We have ambassadors, ambassadors at the county schools. Some people call them teachers. Some people call them board members. Some people call them aides. We have ambassadors at the Hit Foundation. We have ambassadors at the Ronald McDonald House in Dayton. We have ambassadors for Christ at Birthright. We have ambassadors at the Substance Abuse Prevention Partnership. We have ambassadors at the Bistro. We have ambassadors that work with the city. And I could go on and on. I didn't mean to leave anybody out. Because there's many of people like Tom, you are an ambassador in your workplace. Keep at it. You're not alone. Your church is cheering you on. When you need prayer, let's be praying. Which brings me to the last point I want to make. The biggest thing that I believe we can do, regardless of our abilities or our talents, is that we can do what Paul says in Colossians 4. Look at this passage of Scripture. Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And here's our prayer, church. Pray that I, that Paul says he, I pray for us that we may proclaim it clearly as we should. Be wise in the way that we act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Senior adults, I know some of you feel like you just can't give the way you've given before with, your, with, with a serving and, and going out in the community. You pray that the message of those who can is being received. That's an incredible calling on our lives. Let me leave you with this passage of Scripture. You know it. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. This is Matthew 5. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and pull it under a bowl, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we close, I'll invite the band back up. But as we close, here's what, I, here's what I want us to commit to this morning. And I pray that the Lord has given you some ideas. Some, I, I prayed this morning for creativity in us of how we become ambassadors. 
I, I invite anybody who wants to come up and, and, and commit their job to representing Christ. You can do it. People do it in all kinds of ways, and some of you are. Commit to representing Christ in your neighborhood, whatever that might look like. But I implore you, as Paul implored the Corinthians, let's continue at this work of representing Christ. And I pray that this church, this church makes a bigger impact than ever. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we consider the words from Paul, Lord, sometimes it can just feel like more but it's not. It's a part of who you've created us to be. It's not about creating some new thing, Lord. We know that. It's about allowing the places that you've put us to represent Christ though there in some of the most mundane, perhaps normal of settings. God, we want to we serve well. Pray for my church family, Lord, that you would you would stir in them that conviction and that we together would represent Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.